No! No! Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you find it most convenient to listen to the Men in Red 97 podcast. I, as always, am Alan, the poll with a goal, and that goal this week is to, um, you know, rekindle any sense of joy and spirit towards the sports that I love because this city, like a vacuum, has just sucked it away. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, DJ. I feel nothing inside. And Tim. Yeah, I'm also feeling pretty dead inside. Uh, except Alyssa Nair resigned with the Red Stars, so that's that's cool. She's um she'll be back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. <laughs> After what we've witnessed, um, even if you didn't watch the game and you were just like following along the score, um, I was at an callbacks for an audition at the time the game was going on and I I just somehow knew that that was not going to happen that that it just wasn't going to work <laughs> where it unfortunately ended 3-0 for the Columbus crew and just another 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 day where it seems that the fire exists only to give the opposition team um a highlight reel and a man of the match week yeah, and that man of the match in this game was Cucho Hernandez, who scored the second fastest hat trick in MLS history off of the Chicago Fire. Um, although, you know, two of the goals were penalties. So, like, I mean, hey, at least it wasn't three goals off open play. We're looking for silver linings. Anyone? No? No one? All right. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, hey, those penalty calls at the same, you know, a lot of them are... It's it's extremely questionable those penalty calls. It, it definitely it, might... it pushes the boundary of was this a clear and obvious error? Yeah, you're just trying to run into that problem with those penalties. That's the other thing. So that they weren't, you know, the, initially the penalty on the field was not called, and then they had to go to the VAR, and then the referee went to the booth review. And at that point, that's when they became calls. And so that's where you start getting into the definition of clear and obvious error. And like, it becomes this whole like philosophical thing on what they are. I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know how you guys feel about it. Like those were not anything close to the most obvious things that I saw in real time, like obvious, like that should have been a penalty in real time. I get how it is. And if it had been called as such instantly, I don't think I'd really be that angry, but just I'm not sure that the clear and obvious thing applies. And I thought that even then, like there was a little bit of play in terms of like, was it really that much? Was it really a, like I, there are, I've definitely seen games where one or both of those would not have been penalties. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. In the moment, it was a bit hard to note it. It was a bit hard to see. Um, but then watching it back, it, I, I mean, I'm not exactly sure in terms of when it comes to goalkeepers, you know, making, trying to make the block and abs- absolutely, you know, knocking over the opposing player. And then, of course, there was the second penalty, um, this time courtesy of a Rice quote unquote favorite player, um, 
And by a quote-unquote favorite player, I mean literally almost... If there's a player you hear out of Arai's name, it is Arnaud Suke. Um, that led to the second penalty uh, less than 10 minutes after that. And that one... I mean, it was not a smart play by Arnaud Suke. Like, having said that, I don't know how you guys felt. I, I think that a lot of these yellows, and I mean, at this point, the team now has the most red cards in MLS, which is a thing. We'll get into the red card later. But like, there, there have been a lot of yellows and, yellows and reds from this team. And a lot, frankly, have been kind of soft. But there's, it becomes a pattern regardless of how hard or soft you think they are. And I think that part of it comes from teams not having a system they believe in where they believe it's working. And then you have guys that feel like they've got to do too much. And when that happens, mistakes are made. And when that happens, you get what we saw. Yeah, this was um, just... Well, first of all, the play that led to the the one-on-one, essentially, or like the the one-on-two was smart. The through ball through Suke was just caught off guard and soft or not, he ended up, you know, bringing him down, which, you know, if you're brought down, especially in that kind of situation, it's most likely they're not going to be a penalty. It's even if they, the, the player took the shot earlier and it, it's went in or not, the fire just got outplayed. And this was like, and like you mentioned, the amount of yellows we saw, the fire leading now with red cards, this is just a completely undisciplined side. One that just recklessly dives into, you know, these kind of situations, whether it's the yellow cards, red cards, penalties, they just throw themselves. Eight yellows overall, if you count both of Shakiri's, um, because Shakiri did earn two yellows and hence the first red card in his professional career. Yep, that's we the first time Jardin Shakiri has ever received a red card in his career was at the Chicago Fire at Columbus, you know, you know playing, you know, for the Fire playing at Columbus. Um, and again, I think that says something about like. When you have these players, like Arnosuke was a regular starter in Liga, like obviously, like there's a period of adaption when you go to a different league and stuff like that. But I think that he's mostly past that. Like, you know, the the Brady yellow card is the one that I think I've frankly like I just it just is one of those things. Brady did not have any intention of stomping on a guy's ankle. That's what happened. He was trying to make a save. Part of the reason he's such a good shot stopper is because he does what needs to happen to make saves, and that's what he did there. So, like, that's whatever. But a lot of the other ones, it really was, I think, people overcommitting people, like, being out of position and having to try to recover and get back into position. And, you know, that's that's what cost Shakiri, you know, made him exit in the 67th minute, was he actually was running back and, like, active, an active participant in, through a lot of the defensive play at different points in the game. And, like, he just overdid it, it, you know, because he was not in the right place and there were players around him that were open. And when you ask someone to do too much and the system isn't helping them do what they need to do and let and gives them the confidence that other people will do what they need to do and that'll make it all work out, you get people overcommitting, you get people making mistakes and you get a ton of cards. And that's what we saw again. Yeah. 
And when it comes to the third goal that went off in 10 minutes later off of a corner kick, this is an area that the Fire have just been conceding constantly over um, the past few games from set pieces, from corner kicks specifically. And when you pause the, the pause the you know pause the reel at the moment that the ball is kicked, we see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight fire players in the box. We see one, two, three, uh, one, two, three, four, five Columbus crew players. How many of y'all, how many of those crew players do you want to guess were marked? I mean, obviously the yeah. And and the question is how many fire players look like they were in motion or look like they were actually like moving to defend in well, a serious way. Um definitely not the people that were in near the outside of the box. So or like near you know, the outside of, you know, that immediate goalkeeper area being Shakiri is one of them, Suke is another one. And of course, Cucho Hernandez is one of the people that is not marked. And he's immediately running for, he knows where the ball is going to land because no fire player is there. And the moment his, you know, he makes that connection is when um, apparently that's Jairo Torres and um, Dumbia noticed that he's actually there. And by that moment, the ball's already flying into the back of the net. And so, like, this is once again, like, the fire need to start man-marking, especially players like Cucho Hernandez, who'd already had a brace, who's had a hat trick before mm-hmm. for the, the Columbus crew. Um, the best teams in the world play, like, a kind of, like, zone defense, where everyone's responsible for a certain area of the box and the surrounding parts when you do a corner kick. Because they trust that every single player on the pitch is capable of taking care of business in that in that situation, in that thing that they practiced. Pretty clear, I think, at this point that the Fire are not one of those best teams in the world category teams. And so they need to do what every other team does from like AYSO to Rec League and everything in between most professional teams in the world which is you basically stick a guy at the near side, stick a guy at the far post, and then have other people man mark. And they have refused to do it for multiple years for reasons that I can't quite fathom because yeah, it has I cost us so many goals. Genuinely don't understand what the, what the, the system is that they are constantly just giving so much space to the opposition players because like you mentioned zone marking a lot of good teams use that but the, the thing is that those teams are good those are players that have shown that they can you know take up that mantle and responsibility and these players are clearly not responsible enough the only thing that. i can say in response to that is like there's a chance because the fire are also not good at corners the other way when they're taking them and that they are like, well, we practice this all the time, and like we never get scored on in practice. So yeah. we don't know why it's not working in games because they're also not good at doing the other side and taking corners on offense. So that's the one possibility that I've. I'm like, well, that would make sense. I I genuinely don't know what the system is, and like you mentioned, and going the other way when we look at a fire, uh, when we look at a fire a fire free kick, every fire player is marked by the opposition and the worst and they're marked to a way 
that they're just unable to move around in the box as the fire have allowed their opponents do. You know how Kuchar right, and that's that's, that's a byproduct of like that system that they're trying to play, and like yeah. it just obviously doesn't Kuchar, work. Yeah, Kuchar Hernandez immediately he's unmarked and immediately saw where the ball was going, and by the time that Jairo Torres, that Dumbia, that Pineda realized what's going on, that ball was the connection was already made. While on the other side of that, the pl- fire players are marked so well that the ball immediately goes to like the first person like first person near post or like last person far post of the opposition immediately gets headed away or it immediately gets booted away or if it does make a connection it's just headed over or just away either for another yeah. corner or for a goal kick yeah i mean it was altogether a very forgettable performance from the fire yeah. um 34% possession, so second lowest they've had this season. The worst was against Miami when they actually ended up winning that game. Um, and, and this didn't feel like that game where it was very open and back and forth. This just felt like it was like the Columbus crew having the ball as much as they wanted, and we got the times that they decided they didn't want to have the ball. I mean, eight shots, one on target for the fire, 15 shots for the crew. So like, just like you go up and down through the match. And I mean, obviously like some of this is to be expected because the fire did play a man down for the, you know, like the last 33 minutes plus stoppage of the game, but the game was just out of hand from very early on. Um, yeah. Also the first time that I've seen Frank Klopas play out of a four, four, two, um, certainly with his most two recent interim gigs with the fire. And I don't think he did it with Montreal either. So, um, it's, it's been a long while if he's if he's done it. Um, didn't look great. So uh, let's hope that that's not what we see coming up. No, definitely not. Um, second half was pretty much, you know, uninteresting, of course, other than the fact that constantly players were getting booked. You know, Shakiri got his first ever red. And uh, just pretty, un- pretty uninteresting. You know, just from the yeah, get-go. the one thing that you'll say is like the fire managed to not get scored on from like that first, the only goal off that corner coming from open play, and even that was off a set piece. And you know, throughout the second half, so like that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they like you know, Frank Lopez went to the bench, he brought on basically the kitchen sink with the players that they had available, mm-hmm. um, and it didn't really change anything. So, yeah. Not much was changed. Um, and of course, with our luck continuing, some of the changes were made because of injuries. So like Pineda was subbed off around the 25th minute for Wyatt, who actually, first time we've seen him now since July, as well as Carlos Teran entering for Rafa around the halftime uh, break because of an injury as well. So, you know, What's going on? Yeah, as of the time they're recording this, we we hope that they're okay. We don't have any injury updates on either of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, Alan, like this game really, like the loss, I think broke something in you. It's the longest, it, it's the longest goalless drought in fire team history. It surpassed the longest drought, which had actually just been set last year. Um, second fastest hat trick against a club in MLS. The fastest was the one that the fire suffered at the hands of Nashville last year. 
And I think that it made you feel passionate about it. The unfortunate thing is that because of this club, I've lost sleep last night. I was up till 3 a.m. Um, after when I normally usually go to bed, like around 11.30, 12, you know, after I finish my lesson plans for my, uh, for my music classes, I was up till 3 a.m. writing what I am calling an ultimatum to Chicago Fire Football Club from the supporters. Um, it's, you know, it's still being drafted. Uh, and it should be out. I'll be posting it around match day against the Revs um, for the world to see. And hopefully somehow this message will be uh, shared to the players and the coaches and everyone there. Because I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure th- this game just broke a lot of people. Like this was the final straw, essentially. Because, in the, you know, the... Pa- the past, like, what, five-something games or more, we've been like, okay, yeah, no, this is, okay. And then, all, and then of course, this being Columbus, the closest thing we have to a rival, and to lose in such a spectacular fashion, you know, with the, now, another goalless drought, essentially, you know, we're making records, but for all the wrong reasons. You know, it's not just me. A lot of other fans and supporters are like, okay, something has to be done. You know, whether it's, um, you know, maybe something like what Olympique Lyon fans did when they lost to PSG, having their supporters, you know, voice their grievances directly to the squad after the game. Or whether it's maybe organizing some sort of protest slash walkout, what the... Um, Colorado Rapids fans did um, in their last game. So, yeah, I, yeah. I think that it did. It did seem emotionally like it broke. It was the straw that broke the camel's back in a lot of people. And it's sort of funny because I think that there is an argument to be made that, like Tyrus Rose has been making on Twitter, um, that it's too late to make the argument because the change that we're asking for is already coming. But at the same time, I think that um, the counterpoint to that would be that just like lying down and taking this so far makes it seem like people are okay with it and that is obviously not the case like people are not okay with this yeah no genuinely the fact that there's what i'm calling crickets or radio silence if this was like another club like maybe in another league or maybe another club there would have been some even even like we mentioned this is a very late point in the season. Um, but there would be some form of resignation or some form of even like an apology, just some sort of recognition that it's like we understand that there is a problem. And unfortunately, there's crickets and there's radio silence. That's, I think, one thing that's also just been bugging me, especially after this result. And I think that's part of it. I The thing that I said was that Nelson Rodriguez, who was the fire GM and president before um, essentially the current regime with Heights you know, took over, uh, before Joe Mansuito was full owner, although he did overlap as president for a while, it, he had a terrible relationship with supporters. He, he was reviled by supporters. And Heights has no relationship with supporters or anyone else. He's almost never um, been available to media. He's almost never answered questions i mean it's been very minimal um 
a very minimal presence from him throughout. And I think that that's a big part of it when you talk about wanting a culture of accountability, which is the first thing if you want a culture of excellence, is you have to be accountable to the other players. You have to be accountable to the public. You've got to be accountable to fans. I mean, there's just none. And I think that that is a, a big part of the frustration. Yeah, and like with the three words that you know represent the fire of tradition, honor, passion, one of those things, honor, you know, being honorable is, you know, when mistakes are being made, when something is not going right, being honorable is, you know, taking a deep breath, puffing up your chest, chin up, you go out there and you say something. You say, look, things aren't going out things aren't going right, you know, something's wrong, you know, we understand that you guys are feeling upset. And the silence just basically says, it's basically compliance to nothing is wrong. Silence speaks volumes in this case is your point. Mm -hmm. The silence speaks volumes at this point. And so, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll get my, this, this ultimatum posted, done up. So, everyone can see um, on Saturday against the Revs. Speaking. Yeah, fantastic. And I think you'll be speaking for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, so speaking even though, of Saturday and the Revs, yeah. Yeah, speaking of the Saturday of the Revs, you know, this is why this is, we're making this short episode, you know, of course, talk what happened in Ohio and now talking about what's going to happen at Soldier Field. Uh, there's only, you know, what this game... Miami, Charlotte. There's only three home games left. Um, we'll see what kind of support we get from overall fans as well as from the supporters groups and sections, all that fun jazz. So the revolution, for the most part in the the this season, have been in second in the conference, though they've recently dropped to fifth. Their record is 13 wins, 9 draws, and 6 losses. So, you know, it's a positive record, though, in recent times, especially with the whole thing with Bruce Arena, players refusing to train based on the certain coaching situation that's over there. Uh, their most recent game was also a loss. It was a 2-1 loss last Saturday in Colorado. And as we mentioned, Colorado fans actually left, or like the supporters uh, groups, they actually left the game putting up banners protesting um, the lack of investment, uh, the lack of results from the club, and you know, in a very similar um, in a very similar situation to us, a lack of interest. And it's kind of funny, like it's like the, I don't think the revs meant for this part of their schedule to be the like poopy situation tour. Um, but it kind of was, you know, it was just the rapid second win at home all season and it happened while the fire like you know while the revs were undergoing such a tumultu tumultuous period in their you know coaching situation um and it's just it's it's kind of crazy like the the situation with the revs coaching staff is almost unprecedented having a head coach leave at some point in the season is not at all unprecedented i mean the colorado rapids themselves just got dismissed their head coach a couple of weeks ago, which is like a little bit like too late to make a difference, but it at least sends the message that like we hear you and something is going to change and their supporters still decided to uh, protest because it it sounded like the, the change was going to be we need a different coach when the supporters were thinking that this change needed to be more systematic. And yeah. the Revs, their interim head coach is gone. 
They dismissed the other two assistant coaches. They are now being coached by their former, like the Revs 2, the MLS Next Pro Team's um, former head coach, who actually, like, I mean, he is a decent coach. Like, the, the Revs, the, the New England Revolution 2 are third in the league uh, in MLS Next Pro right now. So, like, they can they can play some ball, but it's obviously not the situation that anyone was planning on with that team. And it's just got to be emotionally gut-wrenching for the players. It's been extremely difficult for fans to process because, you know, even though Arena is far from the most cuddly person in the world, they had started to like the results under him. And it just seems like it's been a revolution no one asked for in New England. Yeah. And, you know, with co- when it comes to coaching situation over on our end, you know, we've hadn't had, like, an actual permanent head coach for a while now, of course. I sometimes forget that it's this season where we still had Ezra Hendrickson. We, you know, I'm we're just so used to, um, you know, and nothing, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about, you know, Frankie, but we're just so used to Frankie coming back as that interim head coach that it's like, like, like what, what is going to change essentially? Like even like we mentioned with even with Colorado, you know, for them too, it's you know, it's it's you know, too far gone, too a bit too late. But still, they did something. Something was done. Um, but I think that the Colorado fans, even more than we would, would argue that the the problem wasn't the coach. Like it was something done. They fired the coach. The fire fired the coach earlier. The problem that Colorado's had is they haven't really had true DPs for the longest time. They really haven't invested in the club. They've had one of these lowest wage bills in the league. I mean, say what you want about Joe Mansuito's tenure as owner of Chicago Fire, but like he's been spending money. Like his his checkbook has been open. It just is how that money's been spent and who's been spending it. Still irresponsible spending. No, that very irresponsible spending. Like it hasn't produced results. And I think that that's been the point of frustration, which is like. Where's the culture of accountability? Mm-hmm. Like, we're glad that you're willing to spend money to big, bring a big name like Shakiri in. What happens when there isn't production throughout the roster? And, and I think that it, it's naive to say that, like, players from the guy that has just made the fire roster at the very bottom on the supplemental spot, if they're not feeling like they're in a position where they're going to earn minutes, you kind of like look at the top and you're like, well, this guy hasn't really done anything and he's still around so like where's the accountability there needs to be that culture of like if you do not do the job that you are hired to do and do it well then there's going to be consequences and like i i don't think that reactively firing people is the best solution i don't think that benching people instantly is necessarily the best solution i don't think it has to be mean like that but like at some point there does have to be a reckoning and i think the thing that a lot of fire fans are feeling is that that point is now very far in the rearview mirror. Yeah. And the banners that the Colorado fans put up is very much something that a lot of Fire Faithful can agree. The badge, the players, the fans deserve better. Yeah. And looking forward to the Revs, I mean, at this point, that's all they're playing for because they they don't really know their coach like at all. They don't really know their assistant coaches. Like, I'm not sure how they're conducting training. Uh, at this point, to be honest, because usually there's more continuity than that, um, they really don't like the assistant coach that had taken over temporarily while Arena was under investigation. And I think they're frustrated with the league. I think they're frustrated with the team, like the team ownership and front office. 
So I think that they're just playing for the guy next to him and they're just playing for the game. And that can be a really dangerous thing to face if you're a team because they they're in a good position in the league. But to some extent, I think they're probably so pissed off that I don't think they're really considering that. I think they're just playing for the person next to them. They're playing for the locker room. And, you know, when you play like you've got nothing to lose, like you can play really well in short spans and work directly in the path of that hurricane. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, speaking of hurricane, um, a lot of, a lot of people are mentioning they're basically hashtag CF 97 is brewing right now in the world of Twitter slash X um, from everyone from professional pundits to fans just really how bad the situation is currently so it's not just me who was who was a bit broken by that game you know there uh, there's a lot of things happening right now on that on that tag so the problem darby as it's been as it's been officially dubbed since both teams have current you know structural issues darby um what are we saying? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a rough, rough game. Um, I know we normally do uh, predictions for the game. Um, I- I'm just going to say I'm going to predict there's 90 minutes of soccer played. And I'm um, going to predict that I'm going to be there playing my silly little drum. Yeah. I don't know why, but I get a feeling Matt Polster is going to score. It always is the former it, ones, right? It would it be really poetic. Is. Yeah, it really would be. It really would be. All right, so hopefully y'all enjoy this, you know, short little episode agreeing with what we have to say on all that fun stuff. And hopefully we'll see you guys there nonetheless um, if you're able to make it. And speaking of, if you want to be able to make a game, specifically a game that's kind of difficult to, to you know, procure... Uh, a seat in Men in Red 97 is giving away two uno due supporter section tickets to the game on October 4th against Inner Miami. So if you head over to the MIR Twitter or Instagram pages, you will find instructions how to enter and get uh, two at this point, very valuable supporter section tickets um, to see Inter Miami and, you know, possibly even see uh, that one guy, that one guy from Argentina play, you know? Ignacio Aliceda? That's a name I haven't thought about in a while. Didn't Lugano, actually, I think Lugano actually played today. I don't know how well they yes. played the game, but... Well, we'll we'll figure it out. You can, you can look it up on your device connected to the internet that you're using to listen to this podcast. Um... Our short episode has gotten, I think, longer than it needs to be, considering how we're all feeling right now. But, yeah. Oh, it ended zero zero. Oh well, that's kind of fitting. <laughs> no goals. All right. Yeah. Well, I love you guys both. Um, I hope that all of our listeners um, have someone they love nearby and can get a hug or give a hug as needed, because these have been kind of dark times, and I hope that they get brighter soon. Oh yeah. Maybe somewhere the spark will be relit. Um, where will it start? When will it start? How will it start? Is, you know, God only knows. But 
it will at some point, I believe, you know. So, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening, thank you for joining along. Happy days, happy days, happy, happy, happy days. May they, they will come. come sooner or later. We May promise. They come. So, once again, thank you for listening. Check out the socials, especially for those giveaways. Check out menred97.com for more columns and articles, player ratings, analysis from all the games, all that fun jazz from our very, 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 very amazing writers and peoples here at Menred97. And as always, through the darkness and everything, come on, you men in red. Whoa!